Summer is here, or is it? Many of our clients are seeing an increased number of patients with the flu bug this summer, believe it or not. Let's talk about this in today's QMC Board and Collar. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the QMC Board and Collar, news and thought-provoking discussions for today's emergency medical service provider. The Board and Collar podcast series is brought to you by QuickMed Claims, a national leader in emergency medical transportation revenue cycle management and reimbursement consulting. Now, your host for today's podcast, QMC's Director of Client Services, Gary Harvat. So, with the increased number of patients we're seeing with the flu, let's take a minute to think about how we can effectively document when we transport persons affected with the flu bug. First question, do patients actually need an ambulance? I think that's a pretty good question. On the surface and in contrast to the many severe emergencies we all handle on a regular basis, we seem to think about influenza as being not so bad. But think again, the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC, cites that flu-associated yearly deaths in the United States have historically hovered around 3,000 at the low end to a high of about 49,000 people. That's alarming to me. The CDC has this to say about influenza in the United States. Many seasonal flu-related deaths occur one or two weeks after a person's initial infection, either because the person may develop a secondary bacterial co-infection or because seasonal influenza can aggravate an existing chronic illness, such as congestive heart failure or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. Flu-related serious illness may be even far greater than the government is able to track. Here's some facts. Now that we've established that there may be those patients who really need an ambulance due to the effects of the flu, let's brainstorm how we should be documenting these transports to paint the picture in words about our scenario in order to justify being reimbursed. Describe the patient's medical condition in sufficient detail in your patient care report to indicate why transportation by any other means other than an ambulance was contraindicated for your patient. Be sure to describe the patient's condition in full, including your assessments and the numbers and values derived from that assessment. In the back of your mind, you must always direct your documentation to describe if the patient would or would not have suffered negatively by being transported by any other vehicle other than an ambulance. Since the older members of our patient population are often found by us in some kind of extended care facility, it is also important to document why the patient could not be adequately treated for influenza-associated signs and symptoms at the facility. In short, was the trip reasonable in nature? Brainstorm with us all the stuff we see connected to flu patients and how we can document it all, such as respiratory complications. Because influenza often morphs into a respiratory scenario, we can think of our need to document one, lung sounds, two, pulse oximeter readings, three, oxygen delivery and by what device, four, need for suctioning, five, use of positive pressure devices, and six, coughing and sputum observations. Dehydration and fevers. 
If dehydration or even possible sepsis is a factor as an extension of the flu condition, then consider documenting things like one, skin assessments, two, severely elevated body temperature readings. Next, nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea. What if nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea are part of your scenario? Then please include such findings as one, duration and onset, two, color and consistency of the solids and or fluids expelled, three, volume expelled compared to fluid intake as verbalized by the patient or healthcare provider. Next up, compromises in secondary systems involvement. Does your patient have a chronic underlying condition that the flu is now exacerbating? If so, be sure to document those complications. Is there any secondary compromise such as cardiac or general symptoms compromise? Be sure to include those findings in your patient care report. Also think, one, what did the cardiac monitor tell you about your patient? Two, was there any kind of neurological compromise that is negatively affecting your patient? And three, what did you do to counteract the negative secondary symptoms? Never forget such things as one, vital signs, two, GCS, three, level of consciousness, four, mental status, five, presence of critical labs prior to EMS activation, six, any associated pain, and of course, rate that pain on a one to 10 scale. Field providers must document with enough detail to be accurate and truthful in all things related to influenza type symptoms. Thereafter, your administration should be able to use your documentation that is well-prepared to create a billing claim that adequately represents the medical necessity of the transport. If you follow these simple rules, surely you will justify the medical necessity for transporting the patient with flu-like symptoms. Thanks for joining us on this short edition of the QMC Board and Caller. I hope you found the information helpful and informative. My name is Gary Harvat. I'm the Director of Client Services with ClickMed Claims. Feel free to reach out to me at any time by emailing me at clientservices at clickmedclaims.com. Thank you for joining us today. Please be sure to subscribe to all of our podcasts. We'd love to have you. Have a great day and hey, be safe out there. Mm-hmm.